listening to the Corner 3 Movie Podcast for Riddick. Not Pitch Black, not Chronicles of Riddick. It's very confusing. <laughs> this is for Riddick. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here for the Riddick Podcast with Christian McCranley. But instead of Morosky, we ended up with someone called Not Morosky. <laughs> and with the tagline for Riddick, Kelly Wand. I thought his home planet was called Fast and Furion. <laughs> Caroline, do you have a rimshot sound effect to play after that reference? No. All right. Well, that's fine. People are on the cheaps. Very good. Uh, and if you didn't like that, listeners, you can supply your own uh, rimshots. Is this tonight, this week's podcast? Is this what we're giving away? Or Speaking of giving things away, before we actually launch into some Riddick <laughs> talk, if you uh, didn't listen last week to the podcast for a movie called Closed Circuit, can't say I didn't, I, I blame you, but uh, we announced last week our pledge drive. And the way this works is that if you donate at least a dollar to uh, either 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com using PayPal, or you can donate on the front page of quarter to 3 uh, if you donate at least a dollar and with your donation, you can uh, include a note, you specify a movie, that goes into a pool. And for our, for <laughs> not a literal pool, a pool of like the names uh, of movies, yeah. Uh, and for the podcast we're doing the week that Rush opens, the, the Ron Howard racing movie that we have no desire to see, uh, we will instead pick, we will instead pick randomly one of the movies that have been that has been submitted, and we'll see that movie instead. We'll talk about the box office. Dingus will explain the MPAA rating, and Kelly Wand. Here's the big sell. Kelly Wand will do a Wandopsis for the movie. Um, so uh, that's still going for a couple of weeks. Donate at least a dollar. Specify a movie. Uh, and the way it works is every dollar counts as a vote. So let's say hypothetically that me, Dingus, and Kelly Wan were participating in this, and I put in a dollar for, um, say, The Tooth Fairy starring Dwayne Johnson, and Kelly Wan put in a dollar for, say um, – The Tooth Fairy starring Harrison Ford. I was thinking more like Suburban Commando starring Hulk Hogan. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah, that's Mr. Nanny. Right. Something that that thing as a competing. But then Dingus put in $10 for The Hunt for Red October starring Harrison Ford. So then what would happen is <laughs> there would be – we would roll a 12-sided die because we made $12. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm gonna, I want to break this down in the interest of full disclosure. You know, we, All this is going to be above board. We would roll a 12-sided die. Dingus donated $10. I donated $1. Kelly donated $1. On a 1 through 10, we would see Dingus's movie. On an 11, we would see Tooth Fairy. On a 12, we would see Suburban Commando. So we all would have a chance to have the movie featured on the podcast. And so it favors the rich. It favors the rich. No, no, Kelly, the, the, the whole reason we're doing this is because of Citizens United. <sighs> I don't know what that's a reference. Is that a Sarah Palin thing? It sounds like something Sarah Palin would found. It's a Supreme Court. Never mind. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> reality nerd. But at any rate, the, the point is back to your math, Tom. Please. Yeah, yeah. Let me that's let me wrap. Shocking now. interruption. If you donate at least a dollar, <laughs> the odds are, and I, I can explain. You know, I know math. The odds are a, there's a fifty percent chance that your movie will get picked. And I was trying to explain this to these these. Math illiterate jokers before the podcast, it's a 50% chance because here's the deal. If you donate a dollar, there are two outcomes. 
either your movie will be picked and we will be covering it on the podcast or your movie will not be picked and we will be instead covering someone else's movie on the podcast. There are two outcomes. There's a 100% chance that one of those two outcomes will come to pass. Now, if you get out a pen and paper, if you need to. <laughs> That's divide, what that phrase means. Hold on. Divide, divide 100 by 2. Right. You get okay, wait, wait. You're going too fast. Yeah, you can do it with a calculator. You can do long division. You can get a child to help you with it if need be. The, get a child at this hour. There's a 50% chance either of those two things will come to pass. So there you go. So you know what? Donate a dollar. Pick a movie. It can be anything, literally anything, anything that's out, that's available. We can't literally. see movies that haven't been made yet. Uh, and uh, you would have a 50% chance of your movie being picked. So to let you know, because this has been going for a week, to let you know what you're up against, here are currently the top, let's see, one, two, three, yeah, seven contenders. Now, the funny thing about this is nobody, there's no overlapping movies at this point. Nothing is getting a groundswell of support. We've probably got like maybe about uh, 15, 20 different movies folks have picked. These are the movies based on folks pledging the most money. So here's in the top seven, uh, counting from seven up to the leading contender. Uh, number seven is the movie Black Death, suggested by Michael Kennedy, uh, which I've seen. I like it. It's a, it's a, uh, there's some cool things in it. If it's the one I'm thinking of, with Sean Bean as I think I heard you talk about it. It sounded pretty yeah. good, actually. Uh, Black Death would be a fun one. Uh, Nick Dingle suggested Patton, uh, and he suggested it, saying, "I don't think Tom's seen this. I, I would love for you guys to do it. I have seen Patton. Willing to see it again. Uh, and we've talked about it on a three by three, I think, with flags about flags. You didn't see uh, Godfather, though, right? Check this. Oh, I've seen Godfather. Check this out. Andrew She, a man close to my own heart." In the number five position at this point, although he's still got the same 50-50 chance as anyone else, uh, Andrew Shee in the number five spot, Armageddon. Oh, <laughs> what an ass! Wait, Tom, you can't stuff the box what, with what a, fucking toadies. Are you going to say what an astronaut? <laughs> Wait, you're the only one who understands the math that's going to w- determine this. And, well, by God, Armageddon's in the top five. What a strange coincidence. I suspect nothing. <laughs> Foul is afoot. Uh, just back me up on this. I'm with you, man. Uh, someone named, I don't know if this is his real name, but it's how it showed up in PayPal with his donation. Someone named James Bees Orchard. It's one word. I love that. That's a weird name. That is a fantastic name. Uh, he suggested a movie I've never even heard of. The director is a Russian name, Mikhail Kof, uh, and the movie is called Close to Eden. Have you guys heard of that? No. No. I like what I'm hearing. Might be one we see. Uh, here's This is for you, Kelly Wand. The number three, in terms of the uh, number of votes so far, uh, pick, this was submitted by Joshua Marshall, The Shining. <laughs> wait, the... <laughs> I'm assuming the Kubrick one. He did not wait, specify... Wait, there's yes. too much going on right now. My head's ready to implode. Well, finally, uh, the... the Top two contenders, uh, a fellow named Mark Doyle, uh, submitted a movie that's actually opening that weekend uh, called Don John, which is directed by and starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, I would be happy if that got picked. And finally, uh, John Roberdeau. He, he's got a name like he comes from New Orleans. I don't think he does, but it's that kind of cool name. He's John, isn't he? Yeah, but that's close to New Orleans. All right, true. Uh, his pick... He said he basically picked two movies and then said, ah, either one of these would be fine. Just let Kelly Wand pick. <laughs> like, that's, that's always legal, by the way. That is. So the two that Kelly Wand would be choosing between are Hellraiser and Candyman. Mm. 
Kelly Wan, you don't you don't have to commit yourself yet, but if this came to pass at this point in time, which one would you be leaning towards? You've seen both of those, right? Of course, yeah. Dingus has. Uh, no, please, Dingus hasn't seen anything like I've that. Seen, I've seen a Hellraiser. I've never no. seen that. Uh, oh, the Willy Wonka movie? Is that what the second one is? <laughs> see, see, Kelly Wand? Yeah. That'd be fun to watch with Dingus. So I'd say that one, but only because uh, it's more obscure. And it's I can't force you guys to see Hellraiser for the first time. Uh, Candyman did not... I think there might have been a sequel or two, but it didn't spawn the franchise that Hellraiser spawned. And I don't spawn Final Destination in, in a way. How so? Because oh, because the Candyman became Death. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, good point. I uh, think it's the same dude. That's my personal theory. I like that, Kelly. Wand. Well, maybe we'll be doing a Candyman podcast and we'll explore this further. Hellraiser kind of your the theories show. for the podcast. What are you doing? Oh, oh good point. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. So anyway, those are the top seven contenders. Uh, we still got two weeks to go. We invite you to donate a dollar, uh, pick a movie, and uh, let your voice be heard. What's Zapped at? Nine. Zapped does have one, but I think somebody did put in a dollar and say Zapped. Uh, so <laughs> it's a 50-50 chance, Kelly Wand. I'm getting a little echo on you talking about hearing your voice heard. Do you hear any echo? I do, yes. Hmm. Kelly Wand, stop with the echo making. Me? Yeah, very good. You fixed it, Kelly Wand. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, all right, so uh, that's our future podcast. For this week's podcast, Dingus, what did we see this week? Well, this week we saw Riddick, mm. a 2013 American science fiction action movie about a super criminal marooned on SETI Alpha 5. What? 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 Is that true? I thought it was three. This is SETI Alpha 5. It was written and directed by David Twohe, based on characters created by Jim and Ken Wheat. Go, go ahead, Dingus. You know you, you know you want to make a love and death joke. Go ahead. We'll wait. Wheat. <laughs> I'm dead, and they're talking about wheat. The question is, have I learned anything? Um, the screen First of all, I, real quick, I'd, I'd like to evaluate Dingus' performance. Dingus, I, I liked it, but I felt like you weren't committed to the voice, to the impersonation. So uh, I would give that a 6.5. I was doing it as if Owen Wilson had gone back to play that part. Well, in that case, it's up to an 8. If you had done it as Will Ferrell doing it, it would have been a 9. I felt the death, but not the love. <laughs> it's so damn hot. Wheat was a bad choice. <laughs> Uh, the screenplay was also somehow written by Oliver Butcher and Stephen Cornwell. Hmm. But you don't see them <sighs> in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it stars Vin Diesel, Jordi Mola, Matt Nabel, and Katie Sackhoff. Mm. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Did not expect that. Of all the things that I thought would happen after you said that name, Dingus, that was at the bottom of the list. Yeah, me neither, considering what we got to see. But that's a spoiler. Riddick is rated R for strong violence, language, and some sexual content slash nudity. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did you go I'm going to get too picky. Yeah, I should, you're right. I guess. I mean, all right. It's unfortunate what they consider sexual content, but nevertheless, it is. I mean, she's set up as a lesbian, but we don't see any... She's the only girl in the movie. I mean, it, it seems... That's not true, first of all, and save it for the post-spoiler part of the, the podcast. That's not true. There's two others. Yeah. Uh, Riddick handily opened at number one, because nothing else opened this weekend. So yeah. it finally beat the, the Butler and We're the Millers. Now, I say this with the benefit of, of not 
actually having seen the box office take, we're recording a little earlier than normal this week. Um, but it looks like it's doing well. It will probably exceed Universal's forecast, which was, uh, I think, somewhere between uh, around 20 million. It's probably going to do a little bit better than that. Um, critically speaking, on Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, Riddick is at 48. On Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, Riddick is at 59. Oh, no eight. Ah, see, it blew the eight streak. So, Kelly Wan, what does that teach us? What do we know from these numbers? Um, that if you divide 100 by 2, to hmm? roll a 1. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Wan, it also, uh, I oh. now feel like I can continue for quite a while saying when it's time oh, for, yeah. for a ridicopsis. <laughs> I can now tell you, Kelly Wand, to drive it like you stole it. Except it's, it's not like that, though. It's ride it. Oh, darn. Okay. The guy sounded like Tom, though. <laughs> Kelly Wand? <laughs> what, what is it called this week? Redixus. A Redixus. <laughs> Kelly Wand, ride it like you stole it. Vin Diesel's hand comes out of the earth and annoys a buzzard until it shits on his face. His arms voiceovers all. First you got your really bad days, then you got your epic armor set bad days, then you just got your days, then you got lunch truck day. Actually, it's night this movie's about. Wait, that was the first movie. Okay, second movie, Sun was evil. Okay, this time it's rain. <laughs> Shyamalan this shit up a little. <laughs> Too bad sleeping in this mummy case isn't a good defense against rain or scorpions. Some credits that look like bones zoom out at me. And his voiceover is all, 10 years ago space-wise and 10.1 years ago Earth time, I escaped from this video game called Butcher's Bay. And then I was in this movie about these pterodactyls that come out at night once every million years and had adapted to hope dipshits crash landed near... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Acting is hard. I see now why they're so overpaid. It's exhausting. I mean, <clears throat> then I became Emperor of the Space Goths by using my bicep to go faster than a teleporting guy in a knife fight. After nine years of doing nothing, I hit a button and looked up my home planet in the white pages and told Carl Urban I wanted to go there and then leave and then come back again and then wait ten more years and push something else. You never turn your back on home planets, even when they do. <clears throat> Guess I was a fool to learn navigation or realize that all the constellations in my boyhood and local scenery were all wrong after we landed. It was also probably dumb of me to crouch behind a rock while a guy with pink lines on his face shot lasers into the ground for ten minutes till my part of the cliff fell off. I probably should have shot him. Zebra dogs and scorpions. Guess you could say I have a bone to pick with their faces. It's the bone of uh, another creature. Contention. <laughs> Diesel picks the one weapon that dog teeth have no answer for, a bone. Then he uses a crack in the rocks and some screams to relocate his leg armor plating before cutting his foot off and sewing it back on with testosterone. <laughs> for residents... <laughs> uh... I mean, for residents, he picks a cave to live in that's inhabited by a giant deadly scorpion monster. 
He prepares for his showdown with it by dulling his fighting bone and injecting poison into one of the dogs he adopts. Then he takes on scorpions with his bone till he gets tired and just leaves the cave. <laughs> Doesn't he go, it's like in the way, or one thing's in the way? Yeah, it's the boss monster that he has to fight, yeah. Yeah, and then there's another boss monster, so then he leaves. A bosser monster. A bossier. There's always a bigger boss. Mm. Then we never see that boss again. Anyway. Uh, well. Yeah, <laughs> did, did, did Kelly Wand leave early? <laughs> Did you did you get out before the rain because he suggested that you get out before the rain? <laughs> Tell me one, did you take one ship and, and go home? I thought that was a different one. <laughs> Finn heads across Pebble Canyon but finds his dog chewing on a dwarf skull, so he invents binoculars and looking through them. <laughs> Sees an oncoming rainstorm full of CG. He said, looks like it's time for more characters. Using his bone, he invents a weapons depot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I saw the same movie, you idiots. <laughs> well, you're the ones that paid attention. He fires off a beacon that sprays paints a message that says in Galactic American, Hey, it's Riddick. Wait, hey, it's me, Riddick. I'm on this rock planet. Come try to kill me unless you're one of the guys who stranded me here. Jerks. A Mexican dude and his crew of steroids and a 20-year-old mascot show up and yell out into the desert. We're going to put you in a box. Hello? Uh, no killing us while we make our giraffe robot, okay? <laughs> his Mexican dude's all, hey, Chipilo. Hey, Sorry. I'm such a good actor, sometimes I trance out. The Mexican dude is Mexican dude is all. It's Pete Lowe, set a black chick free, I say. The kid's all. But Captain, the blood of Leviticus shall make a not yet lost Stark exactly a couple cubits in circumference. Uh, plus you keep raping her, which according to Arcturan Deuteronomy says should be case by case. The Mexican dude's all, I always do smart things. That's why these guys follow me. The kid releases the girl. The Mexican guy shoots her in the back. He's all, <laughs> common San Diego, eh? <laughs> Some other people land wearing all the same clothes. They're all, we're white and less bad. One of them's Starbucks. The Mexican guy wolf whistles at her and goes, Whoa-ho-ho! Chalupa Grande! Pizzicato 5, bitch! So she beats him up off screen. <laughs> the more Mexican dudes all, Pendejo, come here! You're gonna want to see this! They find some shit spray-painted on a wall, like in your next, but with more misspellings. <laughs> <laughs> Leave at least one ship for me, and don't shoot me from orbit when I try to take off later. <laughs> Oh, also, I saw Starbucks Caprica's when she showered. They were pink or brown, I forget. Kids all, dude's a human flashlight, man, what do we do? The white bounty hunters all, nothing, that's in order. Starbucks, take another shower. The Mexican guy spends all time kinking his giraffe robot, trying to make it go left. But... <laughs> that guy's... He, I guess he's their computer tech and the computer tech. 
<laughs> he's evil and incompetent. I mean, Riddick tricks them by eating apples on top of their ship and stealing Starbucks makeup case. The more Mexican dude radios in. I mean, Pandejo, you're going to want to see this. Two of our guys walked into their own bear traps. One of them after digging up a pie tin, making uh, half a bra out of it. <laughs> Shit's fucked up, gringo. Kids all... Society accords with prophecy. We should leave this planet on wings of song and stone the space gaze. The Mexican guys all... Shut up, Timmy. Your job's not foreshadowing. It's unmanacling black chicks. And don't forget it. I'm in charge here. Starbuck beats him up again. The more Mexican dudes all. Pandeo, I know you're standing right next to me, but you're going to want to see this. They look at some words written in lipstick on an office supply closet. Whatever you do, don't open this closet, because I might have put a five-minute-long red herring inside. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giggling behind my hand down at all of you on this SP blank CE ship. (laughs) Lots of ruck, J.K. Riddick with the C. <laughs> Kids all fucking guy can write on anything. What do we do? <laughs> Mexicans all can it, Fanaticito. There's only one of him, and eleven. A guy's tombstone falls through the skylight. Uh. <laughs> Ten of us, and from where I'm sitting, that's three to one. Now, who wants to help me pick sand out of the giraffe robot? Start beats him up again. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Riddick tricks them by giving up and letting them kill his dog. They chain him some chains, but just as they're about to cut off his head, he tricks them again by the rain starting and Scorpion's besieging them. Riddick's all Mexican guy, I'm going to kill you in a few seconds with your own sword. Assuming what's-his-face here loosens this bolt after you're a dick for no reason. Just like old times. Mexicans all, P.F. Chang's drink menu essay? And he just explodes. Scorpions kill a couple guys, then the whiny white bounty hunters all, Damn, scorpions, this is how you killed my son in the first movie? Riddick's all, who cares? Now, who wants to ride a speeder bike with me out into there to scorpions? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Can I just write these? Why do I have to act, too? It seems really cruel. You're all dicks for making me do this. Screamed Vin Diesel into the camera. I mean, now who wants to ride a speeder bike with me out into there, those scorpions to where I buried the head gaskets at? It was the right egg. Great actor. <laughs> Disregard everything I said earlier. Hopefully there's no scorpions there, huh? Rednecks all. You got yourself a deal, Reddit con. Two conditions. You watch my back and you don't get a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> I like that joke. I'm upset. Tom didn't laugh, only Dingus did. A bunch of stuff in the mud happens. Everybody dies or runs away while Riddick holds off the remaining trillion scorpions with his bone. But tragically, the guest stars save it with lasers and use advanced tech to get him aboard. They fly around in circles thinking about their crazy lives. Riddick's all... (laughs) I spelled it as Reddick that time by accident. Looks like I was wrong about my son. Oh, wait, it's Redneck. That's why I spelled it. (laughs) Redneck's all... Did a little early this week, yeah. That's why. Rednecks all. Looks like I was wrong about my son not being a junkie ten years ago, Riddick. Figuring you killed him instead of all the space monsters we found fighting over his remains. That's on me. I guess that's why I saved you with lasers. 
Starbucks all, hey, Riddick, if I spied on you in the shower, what would I have seen? Riddick sneers heroically. McChronicles. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kelly Wand. Ah, see? Now you'll vote for something <sighs> stupid. That's right. You could have that treatment applied to the movie of your choice. I'll uh, don't read it better since there's money on the line. Yeah, the donate movie. at least a dollar and you'll have a 50 50 chance of it happening. Of me fucking up. If they choose that Eden one, they, he will have to do it in Russian, won't he? Kelly Wan, can you bone up on your Russian? Mm-hmm. Use your Ready? bone. Just uh, done yet. So Dingus has not seen Pitch Black or Chronicles of Riddick. Really? Kelly, Kelly Wan, what, is your, what are your bona fides? I've seen, I've seen Pitch Black. I've just never <clears throat> seen Chronicles. Oh, good. Okay. Well, you don't need to see Chronicles. That's he, right. he asked me if he should see it for the podcast. I was like, no, don't don't bother. Kelly Wan, do you think that's good advice for someone going into yeah. it? Yeah. You don't um, need the second one. Even, even PG-13 the, one. It is PG-13, and even this movie seems to want to get – seems to want you to forget very quickly that that last one happened. They could uh, do it even more, though. They give you even more of the last movie than you even need. Well, they rolled, out, they rolled out a little Carl Urban. Because I couldn't figure out why the hell he's he in this movie because he's he's got one scene he's got these weird makeup on was he in the last movie yeah the last movie Dingus has a, an, a kind of an amazing cast considering how awful it is it's like Dune uh, it is very much like Dune wow. except, except more inept <laughs> but with Vin Diesel instead of Kyle MacLachlan yeah um, and Carl Urban did figure prominently into it and I guess I didn't even remember that he survived. But I guess he was the guy who helped. Like, wasn't Dandy Newton also? Did she survive? I guess. Yeah, yeah, she's the one who. And Bloodgood. It's all three ways you can say double O. Unfortunately, they do all this stuff in the last movie where it's like they want to introduce this quasi-biblical. There's a prophecy about him and his people, and it's prophesied that he's going to kill the Lord. That a boy born of Furion is going to kill the Lord Marshal. So. There's all this stuff about the necromongers, and and as soon as that, as soon as they started mentioning that stuff on in this movie, I was like, oh god, here we go again. Uh, I was so worried that they were going to play with that more, and I love how quickly they were just like, uh, okay, here's what happened, and we're just going to move past that real quick. You know, yeah. don't don't fuss with it. Um, but then, well, but then the rest of the movie happens. Let's go around the table. Uh, Kelly Wand, as someone who's seen both previous movies, then <laughs> the rest of the movie happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, happening. the first maybe this was true of the happening too, but in the the I really like the first half hour before. Why do people call me? Want to be on the podcast before like the bounty hunters showed up and. Uh, okay, I'll go ahead and take your call, Dingus. <laughs> what? What, uh, what? What? What did having not seen Chronicles of Riddick, having just experienced Pitch Black? Uh, what what did you think of this one? Wait, I'm calling Kelly. Oh yeah, yeah. You can. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to group call both of you. Hold on one second. Let me uh, invite you to a party line here. You'll do that too. You'll go. Is Dingus sounded a little echoey? And then I have to find it, and then I do more damage trying to find the message you're sending me than if I'd said nothing. <laughs> Uh, so how then did okay? Well, I'll go first. Uh, I freaking loved this thing. Yeah, that's I, what I, I was gonna, I wanted to. I I loved this movie. I I was so convinced. So David Twohey, I I think had no idea what he was doing with the second Riddick. I'm not even that big of a fan of of 
pitch black uh, for a couple of reasons. The main one being Vin Diesel himself. Uh, I don't think it sells his bad attitude as well as it thinks it does. Uh, I feel some of the creature stuff gets a little goofy and disappointing. Uh, and then the second movie is just absurd and has it has nothing to recommend it. Uh, a couple of decent performances, you know, good actors in a bad movie, some cool costumes, I guess. So my expectations were really low going into this, and especially because of some other things that have happened this summer, like uh, how how – even over the last year, how really disappointed I've been in certain sci-fi like Elysium or Pacific Rim. I didn't care for Star Trek. I know Dingus liked it some. I didn't care for Cloud Atlas. Um, so I was prepared to really be disappointed in, in this. But it reminded me a lot of how much I really, really was pleasantly surprised by Oblivion, which is from the director of Tron, a terrible movie. But I thought he did some really just clever, smart, engaging stuff in Oblivion, and I feel that way about David Truhi doing this Riddick movie. I loved the way it unfolded, I loved all the characters in it, I liked a lot of the action, uh, and it just restored so much goodwill about this character for me, and just about uh, you know, sci-fi. What, what a great little sci-fi gem. So, I was a huge fan of this. Uh, who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I, I totally agree. I, I loved it. Um, well, the thing I don't remember about Pitch Black is it took itself pretty seriously, didn't it? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. And that's one of the best things about this movie is it knows what it is. It knows exactly how serious yeah. to take itself, um, and I love that about it. And there was I was a little nervous early on because I felt like, uh, number one, it looked like they were uh, human beings wandering around in a cartoon world. Um, that had sort of been superimposed on some sort of animated feature. And two, the the uh, the dog creatures looked so silly. Um, I was, <laughs> I was not – Dingus, I think we were both giggling at those dogs, and we were supposed to think they were scary, like early on. I think both you and I were like, oh, look at the cute dogs. And, and the movie at that point wanted us to think they were a threat, I believe. Right, because they're, they're bounding across the plains like those silly yeah. dogs on the airplane wing. In the, I forget what movie that is. Uh, the movie is Breed, about the killer Breed. dogs that stalk Michelle Rodriguez, and you can tell they just want to play. Even So even when you do CG dogs, <laughs> it can be hard to make them not look like they just want to play. Wait, they chase her onto a plane? Is that what you said? There's a movie called Breed where Michelle Rodriguez and a bunch of people are camping on an island, and it turns out that the island has a secret base that is a military base where they were training super intelligent killer dogs. So the movie then becomes killer dogs versus like camping teenagers. And at one point, the teenagers, they got there on an airplane. The airplane has been cut loose and it's drifting away down a river. So the teenagers are like, oh, we got to swim after the river and, and catch up with the plane so we can escape. And as the airplane sort of lazily drifts around in a circle, you can see – this, there's a shot where it's like, dun, dun, dun. There are these dogs on the wing, and they're, they're camping the plane so the people can't get there. But they look like just happy dogs hanging out on a porch or something. <laughs> uh, and it's supposed to be a chilling scene. Um, so that's well, what, what Diggis is referencing. Well, the, the thing is, the, the dogs come running across the plane, and um, I was really nervous. And, and I wrote down in my notes that it looks like he's being attacked by stuffed animals. And, um, and then, the, <laughs> and then it, it sort of turns a corner, and... David, too, he lets us know. I know, I, I know what I'm doing here. I know, I know exactly what these dogs are supposed to be and how they're yeah. supposed to work. And uh, and then, of course, Santana shows up, and you're told he's this awful badass. And then he starts saying things like, "Here comes the neighborhood." Um, <laughs> and I just, I just fell for it. I, 
I just totally fell for it. And uh, I was a little I, – I can understand what Kelly's saying because at first I was like, oh, I don't want a bunch of other people to intrude on this because I'm having so much fun when the, when the bounty hunters all showed up. But it all works out so well. I mean, I think it's well-paced and well-put-together and, uh, and has a nice structure to it so that we're kind of hanging out with him for a while and his interminable voiceover. But, uh, but, um, but I, I still I, – I just really, really fell for it. Kelly, I want to talk some about your reservations. So there, there's the early phase, which is this kind of Robinson Crusoe alien ecology survival story. Sounds like you were on board for, for that. What yeah. were some of your reservations as it kind of shifted gears? <clears throat> well, because it's about primal combats and stuff. And I like David Tour. I like his action. He, he was the one who wrote that thing with uh, Harrison Ford and the Fugitive, that train sequence. Did he write that? The Fugitive, yep. He wrote The Fugitive, okay. but it was directed by Donaldson? No, who directed no, The Fugitive? Andrew, um... Spottiswood. Andrew Spottiswood. Uh, <laughs> who directed The Fugitive? I can't remember now. Bergman. Is it Andrew Bergman? <laughs> I think it might be. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so true, he wrote... wrote uh, it's really good, uh... Submarine thing. travel movie. With oh, Timescape. Animals. No, it's called the... It was called The Grand Tour, and then they changed it to... Tra- something in time that gives away, like, the premise. Okay. But... But he's been around for a while, and this is kind yeah. of what he's been plinking away. I mean, this is kind of, if, as far as I know, I think he did one other thing. But these Riddick movies are the only things he's been doing in the last ten years or so, if I'm not mistaken. There might be one other movie. Oh. Yeah. Well, they were going to do other ones if, after if Chronicles of Riddick hadn't tanked. Right. Didn't get into all the Necromonger stuff. Well, and I think we have Fast and Furious to thank for this movie. Necromonger. Right. So that's good. Um, but it was also, remember how I said Fast and the Furious 6 kind of bummed me out because it was too schmaltzy <laughs> compared to the fifth one? Mm-hmm. And there, I think this one felt like that. It, it, the first half hour is him like beating shit in the face with a bone. And it was really, really <laughs> enjoying. It's like a Conan movie. And then a bunch of fuckwatch up. And then at the end, he kind of gets his ass saved, and that really bothered me. I, it's sort of... I ruins that pulpy. The in like it'd be like a Conan story ending with people helping Conan over the right. cliff at the end. Right. Like fuck you. That's not how that works. <laughs> I'm not sure that there's a clear sense of. And this is one of my problems with the first movie. In the first movie, they really want to paint him as this amoral, total badass criminal, only out for himself. But by the time the movie is over, he's all about saving children. Right. You know, he totally becomes a softy because they. I, I don't think they want to make him truly unlikable. It's kind of like it pulls its punches. And there is this weird thing. I didn't mind it as much as you, Kelly Wand. And I actually kind of admire some of the unexpected character beats uh, in Riddick. I mean, that's part of why I really liked it. So I was kind of glad to see him getting saved and having to rely on other people. Because this kind of, hey, I'm so badass, everyone. You know know what what I really like, Kelly Wand? There are, I think, three or four, there are three predictions that he makes. You know, the typical... I'm a badass vanity project for a, for a celebrity like Vin Diesel. He would make a prediction and then it would come true. In this movie, he was saying that I don't I don't think he was ever balls deep in doll, for instance. And, <laughs> and, and he certainly that his whole thing about as soon as I'm out of these chains, I'm going to kill you. And right, when, well, he says as soon as I'm out of these chains, I'm going to kill you. He just kills the guy without getting out of the chains. And when he accuses Johns of yeah, saying you're going to wash out and fold, I don't think Johns ever does that. So I, I appreciate it looks like it does. 
It looks like he does, and it's kind of a fake out. And I didn't get it. You know, why didn't he just say to Riddick, "I'll, I'll be right back to get your buddy"? Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> why did they just had to create this tension with the audience? I guess it was this right. narrative tension. It was it was a fake out. But but what I liked is Kelly Wan. You know, you object to him being saved, but I really liked that that the movie let that happen. That it let Riddick be wrong. That it let him be helpless at, at times. Um, uh, I enjoyed some been, of those weird beats. What if he somehow just like fought, like gotten past the scorpions and then like jumped onto the ship, killed all them, crashed it, and died? That's way better. Uh, I think that's a typical nihilistic sort of action movie ending. I mean, he can't oh. die. He can't die because this is a franchise. But if he just killed all the aliens and then jumped on the ship and been fine, uh, that would have been what I would have expected. No, and then you see his hand over, like, the beginning of the movie. You see his, like, scorched hand in the wreckage, and then he kills another buzzard. No, that was one way. That's one way they could have gone. That's true. <laughs> um, I have a question about, um, since, uh, how many video games are we talking about here? Uh, well, and the second one was a, a lot of repurposed material, but mainly just one was, was a prequel. Half. Yeah, and the video game was a prequel before Pitch Black. It's where he first meets Johns. It has Johns taking him to prison, and and they do some cool stuff with Cole, Cole Hauser. Is that who it was? Yeah. Yeah. They do yeah. some the video game. They do some cool stuff with his character. Cole Hauser's doing the voice work with Vin Diesel. Um, so there were it, two video games, though, Dingus. It did give a shit about its continuity, too. So that's something that usually annoys me when they don't do. Like in the X-Men movies, they just kind of like shit all over the last thing they told you. Right, right. Um, so, Dingus, what was your was your question, uh, what level did I get to in that game? Yes, I <laughs> wanted to know what level your Riddick is. <laughs> um, no, it's that uh, I don't – I think this movie – one of the things I find fascinating about it is, is that with, for all the voiceover at the beginning, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of explaining what's going on, explaining the mythology of the character. I don't think his eyes are even explained. Um, are they? They're not explained in the movies either. The, the eyes are explained in the first video game. Uh, I thought beats. in Pitch Black there was some sort of explanation about how his eyes work, but there's nothing here. It's just you're on your own and you're going to accept this world or you're not. And I kind of I kind of admire that. It, it reminded me in a way, Dingus, of the last Dread movie in that it wasn't yeah. concerned with lore so much as a, a focused setting and premise and, and a, a sort of a tightly self-contained adventure. Uh, and in that regard, it reminded me of Dread. You know, we're not going to tell you a lot about the character and the backstory and what he's been through and who his nemesis are and what his special powers are. We're just going to put this dude in an adventure. Uh, and yeah, I, I like See, that. no one saves Dread. Dread saves himself. And see how that worked out. Yeah, well. you wound up uh, on that one planet sending Riddick somewhere. <laughs> Man, Carl Urban and I makeup just looks freaky to me. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> that girl at under- the end of... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just understand him showing up. It was so weird. Yeah, that was that, that scene, Dingus, was just for guys like me and Kelly Wand who had to sit through the last movie. Well, there's no payoff to it at the end of the movie. Where, okay, now I had to take that. Because was he in on the... Double cross. What I was real, absolutely. But what I was concerned about is that we were then gonna ha- is that the third act was gonna be him wreaking vengeance on Carl Urban, which I did not need to see, especially after meeting and liking and and becoming invested in what happened with all these other characters. Right. I'm glad that that's what we got, and we didn't have to go back to Carl Urban uh, and the topless women women lolling around on the bed. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. a shame that we didn't get to go back to that. Uh, so, so Kelly Wan Dingus's two vocal outbursts uh, in Riddick. Uh, the first one was when uh, Katie Sackhoff, when you have the glimpse of her nudity, Dingus goes out loud, wait, 
Really? <laughs> yeah, and then the second one is when she comes out in her mercenary outfit. It's kind of like a like a I don't know if it's a bustier or what it was like a corset kind of thing. It's like a it's like an ass kicking adventure chick corset. When she comes out in that the first time, Dingus goes, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the that's the Dingus reaction report for this week. Huh. Well, I guess that's what they had in mind. <laughs> That's fan service to dig us. Uh, I would ask a question about these uh, Scorpio monsters. Yeah, let's get let's get back to that, Dingus. Science. <laughs> I want to get away from the breasts and into the Scorpio monsters. Oh, we're going back, Dingus. We're going back to some Katie Sackhoff. Don't think we're that way. W a i t. He wasn't critiquing her. I did not say wait. Wait, wait. Is she a great big fat person? That's what I said. <laughs> Sackhoff. Uh, all right, so Dingus said, yes, what what can we explain to you about the scorpion monster? Yeah. <laughs> Tom, between us, me and Tom have most sciences covered, I think you'll find. So so the, in the first movie, he's on planet TK421 or whatever, um, and those are different monsters. Those are like flying monsters or something, right? Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, so this, this is – there's a They're kind of, of similar looking, though. Well, there's a lot of retread going on in terms of the basic structure is that there's people and they finally, you know, they're hunting Riddick and he's the bad guy and they finally have to band together to survive against an onslaught of monsters that are somehow involved in either weather or the day night cycle. Um, yeah, so in the first movie, it's a planet with two suns and every, I don't know, 100 years or whatever, there's 24 hours of night and that's when these creatures come well, out. Well, kind of ecosystems that well here the ecosystem kelly one is that whenever the it rains i couldn't tell if the idea was that they are buried and and sleeping in the dirt and when it turns to mud the the sense i got is that they're like african lungfish huh wait you're answering your own question then are you well no no uh what i was going to ask is that you know i was a little bit disappointed that the the monsters at the end are just the same monster he's already defeated. I thought, yeah. I thought there was something special coming that he, like when he invents the binoculars and looks through his special laser vision where he sees something in the distance. Um, and there was this huge portent about the rain coming and he doesn't reveal to them what that is. And he's, he's he plays it very close to the vest. And I thought he knew something, uh, something huge was coming. Yeah. And it just turns out to be, the replaying of the boss fight from earlier, but just with more of them. I was right. a little disappointed with that. But I think they are supposed to. I think the idea is that, like that, that, that African lungfish, which is this fish that can just dry up in the, in the desert when there's no rain, and then when it rains again, it comes back to life, basically. And, and I, Dingus, I kind of share your disappointment, but considering the alternative, in that I was convinced that a bunch of necromongers and Carl Urban were going to come landing oh. in a ship. I'm so glad that didn't happen. Uh, and what, what? So I love the R-ratedness of this movie. Yes. Uh, I, I love that about it. And one of the things that I – there are two things that I – I was kind of disappointed in that I would have liked to have gotten more of given the R rating. And one of them is more creature gore, like more of a sense of what awful things these creatures do to people. When one of them punches through the wall and, and kills one of the mercenaries, like that was gruesome. Uh, and I thought we were going to get more kind of that stuff with an R rated movie to, to really raise the stakes and show us how dangerous and how deadly these were. Cause I seem to recall pitch black kind of got that right. 
Um, so I was disappointed that instead they're just jetting around and, and there's that one kind of slow-mo Zack Snyder-esque scene where Johns and Riddick are chop-shooting and chopping up a bunch of them, and that was pretty gratifying. But I wish that we'd gotten more R-rated creature action. Uh, yeah, that's and it's, the last death, isn't it? That guy through the door. Well, no, one of Bokeem Woodbine no. gets like pulled up through uh, the uh, skylight, and how does the bronze body dude get killed? Uh, Riddick slices. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. That's yeah, exactly. Um, but the other thing I was disappointed in is that there wasn't better gun porn. I, I loved, I loved the escalating avionics in this movie. Like, I love how it starts with Riddick in survival mode, building the cage for the dog, making his weapon, and then the first round of mercenaries arrive, and they've got that big clumsy cyclops. Uh, and they've got piecemeal armor, uh, and then the, the more sleek mercenaries show up with their iPad and stuff. I love that, that, that yeah. avionic progression, and that I thought was really, really smart. Uh, and I wished they'd folded more gun porn in there because those lightning gun things were just re- redonkulous. Oh, I what? hated those. Me too. That was like they're carrying sawfish around or something. They were. Oh uh, yeah. That's no. It's it looked to me thing. It's like something that you use to zap bugs, like a bug zapper. <laughs> <laughs> like let's mount a bug zapper on a on a handle and then wave it around. So. So those are the two things that, that sort of lost me as the movie was winding down. Um, well, and it was a siege movie, and then they kind of just get out, no problem. No kidding, Kelly Wan, because that's, that's exactly what I was thinking, too, is it's going to be like a zombie siege or something. And they just like, well, we're going to leave here. Yeah, got these guys, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to jump gonna, over the mob. With <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do some trick stunts over <laughs> a bunch of monsters. Indeed, Reddick as badly as I think they thought they did. The problem is that that station is basically just one room, um, so there's not a lot of places for people to go and so there's to me there was never any fear or tension about the monsters taking somebody i just thought they'd either yank them through the ceiling or yank them through a wall and there was no real rhyme or reason for when that was going to happen or how the monster knew where the person was um and so there was there were like even in the movie legion there's like little other rooms where people can go to and they get separated and then you wonder right are they going to get snuck up on and i never had that sense in this as that kind of siege movie and that was a little disappointing yeah yeah uh let's talk about the cast um all right how does everyone feel about vin diesel he's good at this role and it was great when it was just him <laughs> the movies at its best it, it really was surprising he it was surprising i thought how engaging it was just to just watch him yeah yeah. It's not like a labor of love. Like he seemed really invested in the character. Yep. yep. Well, it is. He he produced it. And he's the, he and David Tuohy have been working on it for years. Is uh, it Tuohy? Tuohy? Do you really say Tuohy? I, I, think I it's have no Tuohy. idea. Okay. I think I've met him. He's a very pleasant fellow. <laughs> you did? Did you call him David or you, Mr. Tuohy? You didn't try I to fumble around. With I was pitching okay. a really dumb idea to him. So much my alma mater. Uh, um. I liked Vin Diesel a lot because I thought he didn't take himself too seriously. There's there's that moment where he he rescues the puppy and he he's you know does the the knee slide under the monster and and then when the monster starts eating its own you know viscera, or guts, whatever, <laughs> I like that part. He just gives this little look like oh. um, yeah, but he's never he's not doing that thing where he's like I have to compete with the Rock for toughness. He's, right, he's just comfortable he's so comfortable in this role um that i just found him so engaging and the banter that he has with katie sackoff i thought was really 
I, I, I don't know. I just liked it. I thought it really worked nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, other cast members who stood out for you, Dingus? Uh, well, I really liked that. I, I liked Santana, the, mm-hmm. the the guy who played Santana. I was not expecting. He was good, actually. I was not expecting that character to go that way. Yeah. So I thought he was just going to be just keep trying to do ultimate badass in a horrible accent where I couldn't understand half of what he was saying. But the movie again knows itself, and he does too. So they mess around with his language somewhat, and he gets his ass kicked a bunch of times. Uh, the actor's name is is uh, Jordi Mola. He keeps not dying. Like, that's a running gag of the movie, which I think maybe they run to the ground a little, but he is really good at it. I, I don't really need all the sort of threat of rape going on. Um, that- well, that's his. He's supposed to be. You're supposed to want him to die. So it's like the quick, easy. And then he shoots the dog. So he's, a two, he's got two. He's a rapist dog shooter. <laughs> is that on his resume? Spanish accent. Special skills? Uh, leader of mercenaries. Is he the worst mercenary ever? It's just so funny. Just... How they're talking about what a badass he is and how he's just like screaming about things. Noon, yes. And the other mercenaries are just trying to help their leader find out what happened to his kid ten years ago. That's so they're probably getting paid. I mean, he's probably yeah. you know they're they're working. Uh, so never go like, dude. Can we just get a real get like I don't know. Like they're not—they're all taking the same risks he is, but he has a personal reason for doing it. And I liked that—the reveal about his character too. I, I enjoyed that. Like I wasn't expecting that kind of nod to fans of the first movie, uh, and certainly the video game where where John's plays a bigger role in the first video game. Uh, so I like this idea. Although that guy seemed a little young to be the that father guess. of Cole Hauser ten years ago. Well, it's ten. Space, space years. Good point, yeah. Kelly Wand. <laughs> uh, did you like the acting, Tom? Yeah, yeah. I, I loved the cast of characters. I loved the ancillary characters. Um, I've had a problem historically with Katie Sackhoff, mainly because I just... I, sitting through all of Battlestar Galactica is such a Stockholm Syndrome kind of experience. Uh, <laughs> I, like, like most episodic TV. Yes. But it, what my feeling constantly throughout Battlestar Galactica is that... Katie Sackhoff is only about one-third as badass as the script thinks she is. And I was keenly aware of that watching Battlestar Galactica. She did some good stuff there, but but I never really thought she was rising to the occasion of what they're trying to do with her character. Um, I recently saw a movie called, uh, I think it's called Sexy Evil Genius. And it's horrible. And it's Katie Sackhoff playing a modern-day hipster Femme Fatale, who assembles a group of, of four of her former lovers, and you think she's pitting them against each other, and she's trying to create a murder, and she's there to announce her her, her uh, engagement to one of the Baldwin brothers, and it's 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 this awful list of uh, cast of B list actors, and they're all terrible, and the script is awful, and Katie Sackhoff is just supposed to be like so smug and badass and super smart in it, and I really hated it, and it really turned me off of her and i mean i think she's a gorgeous girl and one of the problems too is dingus our our friend uh megan i i can't look at katie sackoff too without thinking of our friend megan i I think it's gorgeous and i think katie sackoff is gorgeous by the way so i really hate that i don't think that she's appropriate for some of the roles that she's cast in she's not a femme fatale kind of gorgeous she's not she's got this weird kind of not weird but 
she's got a, a kind of conventional Midwestern girl look to her and some interesting angles to her face. Um, but so, so the, the problem is I, I didn't catch her name. I don't know what, maybe I was writing a note or something. I didn't catch her name in the opening credits. So I didn't realize she was going to be in it. So that when she showed up, I was like, is that, no, they got someone who looks like Katie Sack. Oh no, that is Katie Sackoff. So I didn't see it coming. I was kind of blindsided by her arrival. And I ultimately really liked her in this. I did feel like she was as badass as the script thought she was. And I think part of what's going on is that she's, I don't know if it's that she's worked enough or she's more comfortable with this or just the script was more aware of it, but I thought she really sold the badassness that the, the, the script wanted her to do. And it reminded me in a way of certain actors who begin with kind of lightweight roots and become better as they go. And I'm, I was specifically reminded of Ewan McGregor in uh, his first movie is a Danny Boyle uh, murder thriller called Shallow Grave. And he's with an actress named Carrie Fox and the amazing Christopher Eccleston. And the guy is out of his element. I mean, Ewan McGregor is young and charming at that point, but he doesn't have any gravitas and it, it kind of works in the movie, but by the time Shallow Grave is over and he's getting gruesomely pinned to the kitchen floor with a, with, with a knife, a, a big old like butcher's knife, my thought is, ha look where you ended up. You know, you're out of your element. <laughs> uh, and Carrie Fox and Christopher Eccleston, they do the heavy lifting in that movie. But if you follow his career, I'm thinking specifically of a movie called Young Adam, where he has so much gravitas. I mean, he is so good in that. And I kind of feel that way, even though it's a different kind of uh, acting job. I feel that way about, about uh, Katie Sackhoff in Riddick. Like, yes, this is the badass that I really wish she'd have been in uh, Battlestar Galactica. So I was just really taken with her in this. Dingus, you mentioned their banter. Uh, I kind of, And I really liked how inappropriate some of the stuff was. Um, and it was just like weird and not – like, like, like Riddick was like kind of like a really gross pervy dude. At times. Well, look what's going on. I mean, it's bounty hunters. He's- but again, that's the sort of thing that if this was just a vanity project where he really wanted to look cool and, and uh, you know, wanted to be the super badass, smooth as silk kind of awesome guy that everybody loves, he wouldn't have done that. Like, he's weird and pervy and making references to her nipples. And I'm like, you're a, you're kind of a, a douchebag. <laughs> like, and I enjoyed that they let him be that way in the movie. Um, Predator uh, Pink. I think I, li- I like that because it reminded me that, oh, that's right, he did see them. Yeah. I was confused there. Yeah, so he w- that scene was just for him to get the makeup kit so he could look through the skylight? Yeah. Yeah, it was to give us, it was supposed to be this creepy. <laughs> she has a like, makeup kit. He's going to grab her, but. <laughs> that's kind of the edge off her. I, I, th- I think that his ability, David Tui's ability to sort of structure tension is a little wanting, but I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't worried about it because I liked the tone of this movie. Yeah. Well, even overall, Dingus, it was weirdly, and not in a bad way, but it was weirdly drawn out. Um, I could see, because I think this was, was it almost two hours? I mean, I could could see a bigger studio, well, uh, Universal's a studio behind this. I could see there being studio notes saying, you know what, can we get this like to 85 minutes? And I'm glad they didn't. Well, the trailer... That you guys obviously didn't see. No, I did. I watched the trailer after the movie, and I'm so glad I did not watch that trailer. It's from the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it makes it it look like the whole movie is going to be the siege, and it's the whole payoff with Santana. Yeah, they give it away in the trailer. It's like the worst trailer. Stop watching trailers, people. I, you know, I took the bullet, but also I wanted to 
second you on the Katie Sackoff thing, and I think part of it was maybe the fact that on Galactica she wasn't allowed to be topless or hardly one, two, three, not only you and me, one, eight, eight, That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever one. <laughs> so kind of like, it was just too perfect to hit. I couldn't help it. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're totally right, Kelly Wand. It, it's if you want a badass character, it, it's really tough to do it with the sanitized TV stuff sometimes. Yeah, and it was really nice to see her cutting loose doing R-rated actiony stuff. Yeah, well, I felt her punches. Which to me, is the sign of a good action. It's like yeah. in the Rocky movies that are good, you can play your. Kind of feel uh, Real quick, who would win in a fight between a dingo dango and a radiation bear? <laughs> no takers? I don't know what a radiation bear is. It's from Chernobyl Diaries. Uh, it's, yeah, course. and it's not a radiation bear, it's radiation bear. It's like a proper name. Of course, it's a dingo dango. Yeah. I love that dog. Oh, then there, it was so, it was so well done. That person, whoever created that creature, obviously loves dogs. Dingus and obviously that, knows them. That that dog dingus was played by Andy Serkis. <laughs> did a heck of a job. <laughs> Sound makeup. Riddick <laughs> stole the makeup, but yeah. Uh, let's do a three by three. So I, we all liked Riddick. I was I was very pleased to dis- discover that this week. Uh, man, it could have been so much worse. So nice work, David. That's true. Oh, he yeah. Uh, Dingus, what is our 3x3 this week? Alright, these are your three favorite uh, instances, uses, implementations of split screen. Uh, It doesn't have to be perfect like half and half. It can be the use of uh, division of the screen in different ways, but it's split screen in movies. Kelly One, since you're introducing next week's 3x3, how did you feel about this topic? It was pretty hard, I thought. She said... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good Lord, Dingus... (sighs) The listeners will save it. Well, please. obviously, I was inspired by Closed Circuit. If your 3x3 three three is inspired by a movie as forgettable as Closed Circuit, I think you're in trouble. Oh. Mm. Now, I do I like this topic, but there's only about, I think, five movies we can talk about. Yeah, we're, but uh, yeah. I'm really excited to talk about one of them. So. Well, before we get to that, let's hear Kelly Wan's number three <laughs> pick for his favorite Before we get to excitement, let's do Kelly's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my number three is from the movie Carrie because Brian De Palma always did split screen, and that was the first one I could think of. And I'm, of course, referring to the iconic shot of Carrie drenched in pig blood in one half of the screen, staring at us, and then in the other half, it's the uh, prom chaperone changing her citizenship grade to C. Is that true, Kelly Wand? Uh, one of them is. <laughs> uh, I didn't remember. First of all, I keep forgetting that Brian De Palma directed Carrie. And second, yeah. I, just, I don't remember. I just remember the the hands at the end. And doesn't uh, John Travolta like turn yeah. over some muscle car and blow up? Or mm, well, she makes it move with her mind. I kind of don't want to go back and watch Carrie because I kind of, you know what? I guess I should. Everybody going into the Kimberly Pierce one, which opens this October, is. With Chloe Grace Moritz. Right, but they're assuming that everybody's going to have seen the original Carrie, right? Aren't they? Who? Will they they offer anything new? The folks making this remake. Kimberly Pierce is directing it with Chloe Grace Moritz and Julianne Moore. uh, Well, a girl who looks like Chloe Grace Moritz would not be persecuted in high school and have to turn to 
telekinesis. You so think. maybe instead it'll just be how popular she is. Have it'll to give out. I turned to telekinesis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she's supposed to be victimized, but Hit Girl wouldn't be victimized. Right. She would not stand for that. She'd have dudes all over. Right. It just wouldn't. She'd be prom queen without needing the telekinesis. It's yeah, she'd be like, okay, you see words. Let's see what you've got. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like giving it to Tracy Flick. And then that's election. You know what would suck is if Ray Harryhausen, he'd been telekinetic and he had to move clay skeletons all day by hand. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kelly Wand. Ray Harryhausen joke. Dingus, do you remember Split Screen from the Brian De Palma carry? I don't know if I've ever seen it. There's her face, and she just stares at something, and then like circuits blow up in the other screen. That's an iconic scene, and I'm surprised that Brian De Palma would distract us. He loves doing it. He did it in all his movies. He did Buddy Double. He did it in Blowout. He's a split-screenist. Is there any split-screen in uh, Untouchables, Dingus' favorite movie? There's none in Zapped, which is supposed to be a parody of Carrie, which is kind of <laughs> weird. Was that your real question? I can't believe Brian De Palma directed Zapped. I always forget that. Yeah. Not many people remember that. Dingus, what is your number three favorite favorite uh, split screen scene? Uh, my number three. This is my topic. Do I do it? Did you? Don't you go next? Nope. Yeah. Dingus, you don't get to go yet. I'm going to scoop Dingus. I bet probably with a couple of these. Actually, no. You guys, I, I screwed up the order. That's what happens when yeah. you let me do math. Dingus, you had a 50% chance of going next. <laughs> Sorry, you're not going to get to go next. Oh. What I love from the beginning of the podcast is you said. Uh, I know math, and I just want you to have either a T-shirt or there to be sort of like a header on the on the website that says Tom Chick. I know math. That's how mathematicians put it. I know <laughs> math. <laughs> That's what the word for for understanding calculus is: is no. Huh, if Tom. ever um, like yes. robots yes. take over the earth yes. and they take all of us and they put us in tanks to harvest us for our electrical energy, and then I get rescued from one of those tanks aboard a ship called maybe the Nebuchadnezzar or something like that, yeah. and then somebody plugs a program into the back of my head, right? I will be able to say, MS-DOS. I know math. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for stepping on the line, Kelly Wand. <laughs> well, there's so many movies where robots... My number three pick for favorite split-screen scene. Dingus, is this is Down With Love on your list? It is not. Uh, very good. Oh, I love this. I, 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 why, have, why, has, why has everyone not seen Down With Love? I The word I use for this movie is irresistible. Uh, and I started watching part of it. So it's Peyton Reed. After he did Bring It On, he did oh, a movie no wonder called... wonder you brought out Ewan McGregor. Very good. Right, right, and also I was watching you and McGregor in Down with Love, which again, it's not the gravitas like in Young Adam, but it's nowhere near that kind of uncertain geeky kid that was in Shallow Grave. Oh, he's he is so sure of himself, so cocksure, and yeah, there's so much like sexual energy he's got going in Down with Love. Uh, so Down with Love is kind of a play on those Rock Hudson Doris Day movies, which means nothing to me. I didn't see any of those. I don't even know what they're riffing on. Like, I, you don't have to know the source material to appreciate Down with Love. But uh, in in the course of the movie, uh, Renee Zellweger and, and Ewan McGregor are the two leads, and he keeps standing her up for meetings. And then he'll call, and it's a period piece set in the 50s. So she'll be at a restaurant waiting in some amazing little colorful hat, and the waiter will come up with a phone and say, there's a message for you, and his character's name is Catcher Block. Uh, and she'll pick up the phone, and he'll say, this is Catcher Block. I'm afraid I can't make 
our meeting and he'll give some excuse and there's some body wordplay and he's obviously fooling around with another woman. He can't be bothered to come meet her for lunch. Uh, so there's split screen phone calls, a succession of them as he is standing her up for their meeting. And she finally has had enough of it. She knows she's on to him. And previously in the split screen, there's just a yellow line down the middle of the, the screen, and they're each talking into the phone in their respective scenes. Uh, in the final one where she's had enough of them, and I'd completely forgotten about this, the split screen, the yellow line between the two halves of the screen is a lightning bolt. And she is so mad at him. <laughs> she basically <laughs> reads him the riot act and then hangs up on him, and there's the sound of like a thunderbolt. But that's not, of course, my favorite split screen scene. <laughs> my favorite is that's the, the electricity in the phone, fool. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, my favorite is the sex scene where later in the movie they're going to go on a date, and he calls her to ask her out, and they do a split screen. And it's just the most hilarious. I, as I was remembering the scene, when Dingus said split screen, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to do that weird body sex scene stuff from the Austin Powers movies. And I even was Googling Austin Powers split screen, and I couldn't find it. And then I realized, oh, wait, no, that was in Down With Love. Oh, my God. So, Dingus, do you remember that that, that split screen sex scene? Clit screen. No. Oh. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, so... Just to give you an example, uh, she is in a bathing suit. She's got sunglasses. She's laying out by the pool. He's just come out of the shower, and he's wearing a towel. And they're standing there on their side to the screen talking. And the wordplay leads, like all the things that happen, has some sort of wordplay to it. She's twirling her sunglasses, and they fly out of her hand over to the other side of the screen behind where his half of the screen is. So she goes over there, and she gets down on her knees to pick up her glasses, and she is holding the glasses in front oh, of her mouth. Oh! And she's holding them, like blowing on them to blow the dust off of them. And meanwhile, Ewan McGregor turns to the right, where it looks like he's right up against her, and he opens his towel, and he's like using it to sort of rub his butt dry. But it's clear, it's a joke. It's, a, it's the most ridiculous juvenile body joke to make it look like she's blowing him. And it's absurd. Uh, I remember that now. That's hilarious. And they do a whole bunch where he's doing push-ups, and then the split screen goes where he's on top and she's on the bottom. Them. They do this weird 69 thing, and it's just so ridiculous and, and just lovable and, and funny, and, and uh, I, I just love – I love that movie, and I love the ridiculousness of that sequence. Uh, and the wordplay. You know, there's a really smart script. They, they do body stuff in Down With Love that I'm assuming they couldn't get away with back in the 50s with Doris Day and Rock Hudson. Um, so for 69 and the Doris Day ones – it would be a 68. <laughs> oh. I thought that movie was called Down With Love, actually. Hmm. Kelly, why I give that joke a three? And I know math, Tom. Kelly, <laughs> why have you seen Down With Love? Oh, no, you don't see movies with prepositions? I don't see movies with the word love in the title. Ah, all right. But now you're making it sound kind of good. Who's the girl? That's uh, my Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Uh, uh, what year? <laughs> uh, right She's after. Down for me. Right after Bring It On. Um, ah, wait, she wasn't in that. No, but it's Peyton Reed. It's the guy who directed Bring It On, uh, and I don't think it did well. Like I don't think it found an audience. Um, but you, you would love it. You would love Down with Love, Kelly Wand. Well, I liked Bring It On. Yeah, then you would love Down with Love. Dingus, what is your number three favorite split screen? Uh, here's a bit of dialogue from it. Hmm. Um, 
how often do you sleep together? Hardly ever, maybe three times a week. Constantly, I'd say three times a week. <laughs> I think I know what this is. Uh, I'm not going to say because it might. Eh, I'm not going to say. I know what it is, but I'm not going to say. <laughs> I believe Tom, but I'm going to say idiocracy. Uh, no. Uh, it's from a movie called Annie Hall. Oh uh, yeah. And the um, the split screen moment is when they're both in their uh, respective therapist's office and they're having the, this conversation with their therapist. So uh, so Elvie's uh, a- Annie's therapist asks how, how many times do you have. How often do you sleep together? And uh, Alvies asks, "Do you have sex often?" And their answers are that very telling: almost constantly, three times a week; never, almost, you know, only three times a week. Um, and this is a little bit of a cheat, actually. And I didn't find this out until I didn't know this until um, watching a documentary about Woody Allen before we went to see Blue Jasmine. Um, but the cinematographer Gordon Willis. Uh, suggested that Woody Allen have actual set built that is, it's sort of a split screen set. So this isn't technically uh, a camera trick split screen, but it's a mm-hmm. split screen that's created with a set because mm-hmm. he wanted the comic timing to be proper. Dingus but broke the topic. But it's still designed to be as if it were that split screen effect, and that's why it works so well in that scene because they're actually right there acting it out as if it were a stage play. So basically for split screen, we can have anything where there's something on the left side of the screen and something on the right side of the screen? Like aliens. <laughs> exactly right. As long as, But the thing is, they have to know they're in a horror movie in order to do the... I see. You know, Tom started that, but you went right after me. <laughs> I respect that. Paint it forward. So, Diggis, they did shoot it that way, you're yeah. saying? Uh, yeah. Yeah, as far as I know, they did. Cool. Uh, at least, at, at least I think I think the I think Gordon Willis was the one that was actually talking about it, mm-hmm. um, because I and I think his reasoning was uh, so that the comic timing would be better. They thought it would be a better idea. Because so, sometimes you can't do comedy in editing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Some editing. <laughs> Kelly Wan, what is your number two favorite pick for a split screen scene? My number two favorite pick is from the Brady Bunch movie credits, where they were all on like different screens. Kelly, what is your real number two pick for favorite split screen in a that movie? That was my number two. That was a funny bit. Oh, was, uh, oh, wait a minute! It was. Come on, nobody saw the Brady Bunch. When movie was that? Video. When did that happen? That was a television show. What are you talking about? It was a documentary. <laughs> that is not a movie. Look, it was funny, and it's got nine jokes for the time of one so you can see the movie nine times it's the best value when did that movie come out what when did that movie come out it was Shelley Long as so that would have been uh, 94 it was like a fish out of water thing right like they're revived from high cryo sleep and from the 70s no they're not even it's revived like, they just think it's still the 70s for no reason they don't really bother to explain why oh, <laughs> this is okay. exclusive to them <laughs> and what, what they did during the 60s but I mean yeah it's a good movie. I don't believe you for a second. Yeah. What? Oh, when, yeah, when, when did it jump the shark, Kelly Wand? Oh, with the second Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> it's disappointing. Do you prefer that movie or the Partridge Family movie? In the one, in the split screen, there's a... Uh, she's pouring Wesson oil on her parts, and Al's wearing like a bondage thing. Uh, uh, yeah, this is no Brady Bunch movie that I'm interested in, I can tell you that much. <laughs> That's... 
<laughs> Kelly Wan, you're freaking me out. Kelly Wan, are you, are you somehow perving out on me? <laughs> Is that how uh, they talk in the future? My number two favorite split screen scene. I have a couple lines from Riddick that I thought I must have misheard. What's one of. I only want to know one. Tell her to save her womb for me? Tell her to save her womb. Yikes. I don't think that. That sounds like. Yeah, I think I. I... <laughs> um, the other one was Does Bokeem Woodbine say, This isn't Nom, bitch? When uh, he's instructed to share weapons tech with uh, Santana. Well, we didn't that share weapons tech in Vietnam. Wait, wait a minute. That'd be like me saying, all right, Sumerian. Right? <laughs> all right. I was a colonel. Never mind. Go ahead. Let's return to our regularly scheduled. That's the Go most ahead. analogous example I can think of. Uh, you guys have not seen this movie, uh, I hope, because it is, I feel, unmitigated trash. It is offensive. Uh, and I, 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 that, <laughs> You're selling Kelly Wand on it. <laughs> it takes a lot for me to say that. I sit through a lot of, I sit through a lot of horror movies, and I really do feel that this is, uh, I, I don't feel there's any point to it. Um, I, by the time it's over, I don't think it's 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 clever. It's smart. It, it's just a movie about savaging characters on screen, and uh, I I really dislike it. It's a Spanish movie. Uh, I don't even know the director's name. I could be arsed to mention it uh, if I did know it. Um, but it what a is a weird line to draw. That he's only going to be my number two. <laughs> well, the thing is, what part of what bothers me about this movie is the the craft of the camera work is pretty amazing. It's one of those movies. It's all one take uh, for the most part, um, and they do some really nice camera work. It's a home invasion movie where a father and his uh, and his and the mother and a teenage daughter are in a new house, and and these three men break in and they're there to steal money, basically. Uh, and there's some really good camera work in it. They they play with the real time element. At, at one point, uh, the leader of the bad guys takes the father out to to an ATM machine to where the father's going to withdraw money to give him money. And uh, there's split screen stuff where. The lead guy with the father is on one side of the screen, and the two men watching the mother and the teenage daughter at home are on the other side of the screen. Um, so uh, uh, during this movie, at one point, while the father is coming back uh, with the lead guy after having gone to ATM machines, and everything in the house is going to hell with the two thugs and the mother and the teenage daughter and a boyfriend who's arrived and there are beatings and terrible things are happening and it's bloody and gruesome. On the left side of the screen is just a father driving with the thug. And, you know, he's obviously uncomfortable, but they're driving to get home. Um, the thug has a gun and everything's just going to hell on the other side of the screen. And there's just dudes driving on the other side of the screen. It's this weird juxtaposition. But then at one point, the father decides that he's going to wreck the car with the guy holding a gun next to him and hopefully incapacitate him. So he wrecks the car. We see this on one side of the screen. It's all one take. Uh, and the car turns over and it wrecks. And it, the camera view is just sitting there. You know, it's just a view through the 
smashed windshield of a wrecked car. And then still stuff is going on on the right side of the screen and the mother and the daughter are trying to get away and there's ugliness going on and it's, it's wretched. And then the father takes the gun that the bad guy had and crawls out of the car's windshield and basically limp or he runs the rest of the way back to the house. And we're watching this on the left side of the screen while stuff is going to hell on the right side of the screen. And the father, sure enough, on the left side of the screen comes up to the house. He comes into the front door on the right side of the screen where the daughter is. We hear her hearing someone at the front door. We hear the father calling. They come together and the two perspectives merge into one camera. It's sort of like the camera. It's all handheld stuff where the camera's moving around. And it's sort of like the two cameras merge into one shot, which is full screen. And I love the craft of this moment. And I love how it is. it marks the return of the father from being away, thinking, you know, I'm just going to get the money and then everything's going to be okay. And then everything going to shit at the house on the other side of the screen. And it all merges together. So I love that sequence. I like the craft of it. But I also acknowledge, Kelly Wan, do you know the movie Rules of Attraction, the Roger Avery thing? Yeah, the backwards keg. Uh, I don't remember that, but I'm, I'm thinking of... Oh, I know what you're talking about. They do a... Yeah, where, they're fall, where they're in the hallway, and they meet. The they way. do the same split-screen thing, where James Vanderbeek and Shoshana... Sossaman... Yeah, her. Awesome. Uh, where it shows them waking up and going through their morning rituals, and then they meet in the hall, and when they meet... There, it, it's it's still split screen. Each of them has walked up to the perspective of the other camera, so it's side by side pictures, straight on of their faces, talking to each other, having a conversation. I love that shot. And then the camera spins around and it merges into one shot again. So I don't really care for rules of attraction. I, if I never see another adaptation of a Brett Easton Ellis story, I'm okay with that. Uh, but I just feel the craft of it in this movie called Kidnapped, or in Spanish, Secustrados. I don't know. It's, it's, it's on Netflix as Kidnapped. Uh, I just love the craft of it, uh, even though it's directly from what Roger Avery did in Rules of Attraction. Well, Rules of Attraction I like because it's about fuckwads, which to me is... That's just that's completely, Kelly Wan, redundant with saying it's a Brett Easton Ellis <laughs> story. So why did you pick that instead of Rules of Attraction? Oh, I don't know Rules of Attraction that well. Uh, Wait, I, I, so for the Spanish one, was it all one shot when the yes. dad was... Oh, because so in Rules of Attraction, they kind of cheat like it's different No, they shots. totally cheat. It's different right. shots. It's edited normally, and then at the end, they just come together in the hallway. Right. But it's totally James Van Der Beek like, waking up and picking his nose and just being... Right, but it's not like a complicated... Right, right. It's not all one shot. Here, it's, it's all one shot. It, it's just the craft of the sequence in Kidnapped that I really appreciate. Uh, they also do a split-screen thing in Kidnapped where the, the daughter and the, the mother escape through one of those weird translucent walls like you would see in a dentist office or whatever, and they close the door and barricade themselves in, and one camera is inside there with them, and then the killers come up or the the home intruders or whatever are on the other side of the wall, and there's a camera with them. And each one, you can see the outlines of the people through those translucent walls. Oh, so, cool. just, yeah, the, the craft of the movie is really cool. But just as far as the script, and it, it's just it's it's not pleasant. There's no point to it. I like a good horror movie, but I don't want to just see a movie about terrible, brutal things happening to people who w- with no point. But uh, it's in split so. screen. And I wish they would do that some of that cool stuff with a better movie. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so uh, that's my number two. Dingus, what have you got for your uh, number two split-screen scene in a movie? Maybe you got a line for us. Mm. Here's a line from it. Uh, I always thought you were the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen. 
Yeah, but what's a line from the movie? <laughs> All right, here's the response. That's nice, Harry. It makes me feel really good. You know, other oh, people have cast away, and it was meaningless. Uh, no, uh, it's got to be Big Trouble in Little China. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's nice, Harry. Who's? Uh, is it Night Moves? No. Is it Melanie Griffith? I could hear Melanie Griffith saying this. Nope. I don't know. It is. Um, oh God! I know. Is it when Harry met Sally? Oh, good lord, no. Ew. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? Uh, Harry and... When Harry and... met Sally. Harry, in this case, is played by Jared Leto. Oh, wait, this is, this is my number one. Very oh, good. Sorry. It's, it's nice of you to recognize it, Kelly. I'm dumb. Well, I... Your acting's too good, and I always throw... Oh, that's, that's it. Oh, so, okay, so it's your number one, so what is it? Well, wait, it's... Maybe I picked a different scene in the a movie. A different Jared Leto movie, <laughs> Did you pick 30 Seconds to Mars? <laughs> maybe there's more than one split screen scene. Because I thought mine was one, maybe one of the deleted scenes, and I might be dumb. It's mine is... Go ahead. One of them's they're watching the clock, and they've decided to quit drugs. And one of the, one of the, shot, one of the screens is the clock they're watching. And then it's each of them, like, what they're looking at. Like, one of them's watching a TV, and then the other one's, I don't know, throwing darts or something. Okay. And then... Uh, Event and then, but the clock just stays constant. And then after the first hour, they're like, "Well, we don't need to quit." Technically, I think we've proven we could. And then they go buy drugs. But you're talking about a different scene. I'm talking about the the scene on the bed. Uh, this is requiem for. Oh, at the end, they're lying on the bed together, and there's this wonderful sort of reaching across, and it's a split screen, uh, and he does all these different things with like. It's very, it's a very sensual scene, and you see like her, her mouth and a thumb going into her mouth, and the way he reaches across her, and it goes across the split screen. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Nah. <laughs> right. Sounds good though. It sounds better than mine. So Kelly, one, you cut Dingus off. This is from Requiem for a Dream. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the only split screen that's in the movie though? No, I think he misses with that a lot. Isn't there some during the drug sequences? Yeah, he did, he messes with it a lot. I just like that particular scene a great deal. Because it was sensual. Yes, I should have said that. It was sensual. Sensual. <laughs> uh, so, Kelly Wan, that means we now know what your number one pick is for a favorite split-screen scene, so we're just going to skip on to the next person. It's probably wise in most cases. <laughs> uh, my favorite split-screen is the entire movie. I, I love the movie, and not just for the gimmick of it. Uh, I think Kelly Wan misidentified it last week as a Steven Soderbergh movie with Selma that- Hayek. No, Mike Figgis did a movie called Time Code. Oh, I guess. Uh, which, all right. It, it's, all, it's all one shot. It's, uh, it's four. It's the, the, the screen is split into quadrants, and each quadrant is a single shot um, as it follows the characters around over the course of 90 minutes or whatever, uh, and it folds together these storylines about people in Hollywood. Um, uh, I love I love the performances in it. I love the cast. I love the craft of that. What year was Time Code, by the way? I mean, it's way pre-CG. Like it's the sort of thing where they didn't have CG. Uh, it, it's clearly they even say I think in a title card at the end that the movie was shot. You know, they had to do this several times. And what right. you're seeing Each is the quadrant was a different year. Nope, it was all shot at the same time, and what you're seeing is the one time they got it right. And part of what's amazing is as the four quadrants 
cross each other and come together. Uh, what what made me think of Kidnapped, Secustratos, that, that Spanish movie, is I was trying to think of a movie where you had split screen – and at one point, this, the, the sides of the screen come together, and you're looking at it from perspectives where you should be able to see the other camera, but it's not there. Um, and I don't think there is anything like that. Um, but time code comes very close. There are moments when I know that part of what they must have screwed up in their various rehearsals or the, the various test runs before they got the final movie uh, is where you could see another camera because there's so much going on. And I think at one point, all four cameras all four quadrants are in one place um so uh that's my number one pick it's the entirety of time code that's a great pick i i just remember being so taken with that movie um when i saw it in theater and also it was difficult to watch sometimes because i i think at the time i was having some sort of motion sickness thing with parts of the movie um but what what movie did you bring up a while ago for 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 CG where they erased cameras or well uh, Gaspar I, I imagine it's fairly ah, common yeah. but Gaspar Noé when he did a Q and A for Irreversible when uh, I saw okay. a screening of it talked about you know he his approach was to just get the camera wherever it needed to be and if the crew got in the way or if a boom got in the way they just digitally erased it okay um, yeah. and yeah I imagine that's I don't know about fairly common but I imagine that's a a relatively widespread technique these days is if something screws up, just CG it out. Uh, I uh, admired time code so much because of, because of how many times they probably had to do it and the task of everybody involved in getting that kind of timing down. Yeah. And there's a kind of tension to it. Like, you know, they're not going to mess up because you're watching, but, but you can't help but watch it and think, oh, I wonder who would have screwed up and how they would have had to start over and must, somebody must have felt bad. And, and given to, it, it captures so much. Like, I really like Stellan Skarsgård in that. I think that Julian Sands is freaking hilarious and I never would have thought of him as somebody who's hilarious. Um, Kelly Wan, what's your favorite part of time code? Uh, when all the numbers changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is famous for a certain like lesbian makeout scene. Whoa, whoa, uh, wait, which between you, Salma Hayek? And are you serious, Kelly Wand? Wand? I don't know what. I, I don't see Mike Figgis movies. You have not this. seen. T- oh, Kelly Wand, you are in for for a treat and a, on a couple of levels. Just tell me who the lesbian. Why isn't it four lesbians in all four? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kelly Wand, you should see Time Code. It's literally half-assing it. But wait, so who would just tell me the lesbians? I believe it's Selma Hayek and Gene Triplehorn. Is that uh, right? Mm, yeah. eh, all right. Saffron Burroughs is in it, but I don't think she makes uh, out with anyone. Imagine if that's a threesome. Is it Gene Triplehorn? Because Gene Triplehorn is her girlfriend, but I think she's seen someone you know, else. I don't remember now. I mean, I, I haven't seen Time Code since I saw it in theaters. Okay. Mm, interesting. All right, well, Dingus, that leaves you. What is your number one pick for split screen in a movie? Maybe maybe you had a quote for us, Dingus. Uh, I sure do. Um, I wanted to find a different quote, but I couldn't, and there's no quotes listed for this. And for some reason, I just didn't write any down. Tell you what, I think this means... That's Scarface. What were you going to say? Uh, I think this means we'll be able to get it then. If Dingus is forced to use a quote he didn't want to use, it means it's probably too easy. So we're going to be able to get this one like that. Yeah, you'll be able to get it easily. Here's the quote. And the shoes. You gave them two pairs of shoes. Just saying. Well, Kelly Wan hasn't seen it. <laughs> yes, he has. He has? Yeah. 
No. He's talked about it. And well, I could, I could, I easily know what it is. Kelly Wan, do you, do you remember that quote? Two pairs of shoes. Dingus, do it in, this isn't how it is in the movie, but Dingus, see if you can say that in a South African accent. Oh. He what? Used an American accent. <laughs> it's from A-Team? Yes, it's from A-Team. <laughs> All right, Diggs, what's the movie and what is the split? And what as, is the the split? as the tank falls, he complains about the fact that they only have two pair of shoes. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is from the movie Europa Report. Kelly, you've seen Europa Report. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, I'm dumb. I don't remember the uh, shoe line or any of uh, Well, Charlotte Copley's talking about how they, they only have, uh, what, four outfits? And sometimes they have to wear the same thing the next day that they wore the night before. And he says, in two, in two pair of shoes, you only give them two pair of shoes. Just saying. Um, okay. The thing is, he's such a likable guy that he can get away with making a really dumb joke about women love lots of shoes. Like it's it's such a stupid, easy, obvious joke, but he's so likable in that movie. Well, because he's got a South African accent, so it's like no, he's totally he's supposed to be like the like American astronaut, like he's the American representative. Report. Yeah, he's yeah. so good, and I like yeah. him so much in that movie. It's just a he's perfect in that part. So, Dingus, I think you can't talk about the scene without pretty much like robbing it of its impact. If it's what I'm thinking of, mm. well, no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about a specific scene. I'm gonna kind of do what you did with time code. Is that I think that this movie uses split screen so well across the board. I uh, watching this movie, I am uh, just blown away by what a fantastic job of editing it is, and that it uses so many different screens at so many different times because it's basically uh, a way of combining a bunch of footage from a lot of different cameras. And you see, you, you see the action go across those cameras in a lot of different ways. And so I'm not going to pick a specific scene because, um, you know, I, I don't want to ruin a lot of this movie. And I really want people to see Europa Report. I did want to talk about it a little bit because I just think the editing is so phenomenal. And part of it is because you're getting information from so many different screens that are on screen at the same time. So, Dingus, do you know anything about the director's other movies? Because he's done, he's an Ecuadorian director, and I think he's got like six credits on IMDb. I know uh, nothing I, I about keep... him. Yeah, his name okay. is Sebastian Cordero. Yeah, and I want to look down, look up other stuff that that he's done because Europa Report makes me think, oh, well, you know, this is a guy to watch. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Yes, Kelly Wand. I think something in me resists or finds split screen annoying because I'm not sure which screen to look at. In Timecode, Figus has talked about how that was a real challenge because Timecode is very narrative. Like you, you're supposed to know certain things at certain times about certain characters, and yet every quadrant is always active. So one of the things he did was in the sound mix, he definitely played with the volume levels in the different quadrants. And the idea is that the dialogue will come up. Yeah, like one quadrant will always be louder, and that's the important one that you're supposed to pay attention to. Um, so that means yeah. the plot points have to be noisy. Uh, the, or you just, you know, crank up the sound volume, Kelly Wand. Oh. Uh, See? Mm. Uh, but that's part of, I think, the point of split screen is, like, in, in Kidnapped, and again, I hate thinking that I'm going to make people <laughs> want to see this piece of trash, but in Kidnapped, there's so much tension between when is the father finally going to get home? You know, how close is he to getting home? And this other heavy bad guy arriving, and oh, he's wrecked. Oh, is he dead? Oh no, he's got the gun. He's coming in. I mean, that that pulling you between two scenes 
doing it live that way rather than, edit, rather than editing and cutting it back and forth. Yeah, like there, there can be real power there. Um, and of course, you can't make sex jokes in Down with Love unless you're using a split screen, of course. So. Uh, <laughs> whenever you mention kidnapped, I just keep thinking of funny games and how I felt about that. Yeah, I know it's not fair. Well, it is fair because, I mean, I think Michael Haneke is very clearly aware of how manipulative it is and the emotional response to what he's doing to you. I just think these uh, – I'm going to call them Spaniards. I'm pretty sure they're from Spain. I think it's two directors. I think these guys are just like kids torturing the audience, uh, and it's it's pretty disgusting. Um, hmm. Well, you know, that's why we're there. I guess so, if that's what you're in, into. Uh, guess, what do the listeners think as far as their favorite split-screen scenes in movies? All right, we are doing this early, so there's only three choices here. Yeah, because um, we did it another day. I'm sure that seven or eight more would have, would have flooded in. This is I a know. topic. It would have been so huge. People would have been watching all their favorite split-screen movies. <sighs> all right. Do they know that they had less time? No, I forgot to let them know. That's on me. Cool. So um, the first uh, listener is Fred and Lynn. Fred and Lynn here, Dag Nabbit. I thought I sent in for best kills, ellipsis. Uh, our one, two, and three pick. Uh, Thomas Crown Affair, the polo scene. Pretty cool, and it's all we could come up with. I, I'm guessing that's the first one, right? That, that, that's pretty famously used split screen. I do not see Steve McQueen movies. Ah, very good. But you saw Getaway. Oh, with Ethan Hawke and Selena Gomez, yeah. Oh, okay. How did they I don't see movies about non-sexual affairs. <laughs> um, oh, well, that's their only pick. They're, they're all three is the Thomas Crown. Is it uh, good? And then they ask the question, are there split scenes in the conversation? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. No, I don't either. So, Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, wait, so what, it is a Steve McQueen. So isn't it just some goofy Steve McQueen is a jewel thief movie? Yeah. Uh, I know there's a Pierce Brosnan remake, but I... I yeah, it, directed by John McTiernan, and it's pretty good. Oh, is the original good? I haven't seen it in so many years, I have no idea. And let me guess. I haven't seen it, but I'm just going to guess. So one character is watching a high-stakes, sort of exciting, very action-filled polo match, while another character is very quietly sneaking through someplace to steal jewels. Am I close? <laughs> sure. That's my guess. All right. <laughs> and then they converge into one screen. I like your thinking, Kelly Wand. And he steals the mallet. No wand. Shut up. Okay. All right. So uh, Thomas Crown Affair. I uh, we'll take it on yeah. faith that that's a good one. Thank you, Fred and Lynn. All right. The next one is Paul Weimer Weimer. Ha ha. Hi guys. I will eschew the urge to pun here and just give you my picks. So you aren't split on whether to read all of my entry or not. We That's see what not, he did. See what he's he did there? doing what he said he wasn't going to do. So number three in When Harry Met Sally. Oh, oh. really? There's split screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now that he mentions it. Yeah, I Damn it! Um, Harry Burns, played by Billy Crystal, <laughs> favorite actor. Name. Yeah, Harry Burns. Harry Burns. <laughs> What's and her last name? Sally Sal. Albright. Uh, Sally Albright, Meg Ryan, watch the movie Casablanca, quote-unquote, together, by means of a split screen showing them individually oh. watching it on their own bed. Oh, God. Uh, I can't take this. Jesus. Oh. 
<laughs> now, later on, yeah, that's where you get the line, uh, Ingrid Bergman, now she's low maintenance. Uh, later on, we get three-way split as Harry and Sally separately call their friends Jess and Marie. Oh. In bed. <laughs> right, yeah, now I remember that. Yeah, they're watching uh, Casablanca scene. Again? Oh. They're all watching it? No, 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 no. Hey, look, what channel? Oh, never mind. I don't want it to do does, that. It does happen. It's like, what channel? And uh, and so he switches the channel when she tells him what channel. They both have the same cable. Yeah, exactly. It's New York. There's only one cable. He wouldn't know when it was on. I guess he doesn't like the movie. She loves well, him. he's channel surfing because that's what they did before TiVo. Talking while you're on TV. Wait, not on TV. Talking while you're watching TV is a waste of good TV. Kelly Wan, you, you and me did. Kelly Wan and me watched the movie Tentacles starring Richard that's Winmark. True. Uh, while we were chatting on, actually, was it just text chat, Kelly Wand? Were we actually yeah. talking live? Oh, okay, never mind. That's okay then. I don't think we'd do it again. That was just that one night. I would do Wait. it again. Oh, we're not gay <laughs> until we just dress that way. <laughs> I hate this podcast. This is the last one. Doing. It loves it loves you. You, you <sighs> know, you know, you can't pull out now <clears throat> because the listeners are going to get you to do zap. Oh, uh, yeah. We'll Number two, the movie Run, Lola, Run uses the technique multiple times, yeah. graphically showing both her and her boyfriend, Monty. The best use in the movie is when the screen is also intercut with the ticking image of the implacable cock- clock. <laughs> Dingus, whoa! A Hold on a minute, mister. That's Just a, one that's second, Dingus, yeah. Implacable. <laughs> and then he waited a long minute, and then he went, cock. Man, what's like, what? this juice? That's that my favorite Ingmar Bergman movie. I don't think that's it's Ingmar Bergman. It's Freudian slip I've ever heard. Maybe. Wow, yeah, man. Implacable. Okay, got past that. Cock. <laughs> Freudian slide. They always mean something. They always, always mean something. Trust me. <laughs> Number one. In the original Thomas Crown Affair. <laughs> Polo. Um, Polo. <laughs> Say what you think, Tom. And there's clever use of multiple split screens to show the action at a polo match. And Most memorably, we see Faye Dunaway's Vicky Anderson from oh. several perspectives in multiplier frames. Multiplier. Watching Steve McQueen's Thomas Crown similarly shown playing in several more. Other parts of the movie, including the heist, uses the technique as well. I knew it. Yeah, you were right. You're not that... You're not that smart, though, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas Crown Affair. (laughs) Couldn't do it with, uh... I guess you could do it with most movies. Casablanca. If if there's one... Yeah, I I can't believe you brought that up. That that now makes me like Casablanca less. Oh, no, you can't blame Casablanca for sins created against it by, um, Meathead. It is kind of (sighs) similar. Because Bruno Kirby's kind of like the Frenchman, because they both kind of look the same. Sure, it's like uh, Peter Lorre. <laughs> Too soon. Anyway. Ugh. All right. Our final listener is Mark Doyle. Tom, Kelly, and Christian, I have one memorably bad one and one good use of split screens in movies. Number one is his bad example, and that would be the movie Time Code. Hey! I didn't see it, so I agree with him. The entire movie featured four individual screens with the audio, quote-unquote, moving along the sc- among the screens uh, to our attention to the most important 
<laughs> relevant action. I found it distracting and annoying, and it didn't yeah, serve any higher purpose in the storytelling. If not for the super hot Saffron Burrows, I probably would have walked out. Good day, sir. Ugh, walked out four times. I, I Maybe wait. it is that. So I guess Mark might have felt differently if it was Salma Hayek and Saffron Burrows. It should have been Saffron Burrows in all four screens. But he, what he's complaining about is basically the point of them making the movie. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people don't like time code because it is. I didn't like. I mean, some people do say. I mean, I, I think in the opinion of some folks, it's 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 too gimmicky. Uh, and well, I kind is, of understand that. I'm see. That's a case. It's like, can it beat the gimmick? And then usually it doesn't. But if it does, like Rope didn't beat it, did it? Remember that gimmick? Yeah, but it's not like Rope. Yeah, I do. And you, you feel it didn't beat the gimmick? Rope being oh. supposedly all one cut? No, but I remember being, being disappointed that there wasn't enough rope in the movie. <laughs> so. Well, I the thing that, is... I think the movie is, is an experiment. It's not trying to beat Right, the right, right. And so then, you know... It's cool even if it fails because someone tried something. I'm pro ambition, but I'm, I'm trying to think of like examples where the gimmick was like it did. The movie transcended the gimmick. Uh, Blair Witch Project, Time Code, um, Irreversible. Okay. Blair Witch Project, yes. Irreversible, yeah. Movies I haven't seen mostly. Okay, so that's the pattern. <laughs> but I can understand someone feeling that the gimmick. Yeah, I don't know. I I I quite like the story and the. Gimmick in, in time. I think there's a there's a knee jerk reaction when you see a gimmick to go oh the gimmick and then you kind of like refuse to get past it and I think maybe that's that may be what happened with me in time code was like I don't want to watch four screens at the same time unless it's all saffron burrows so yeah well Except maybe if uh, yeah maybe if Mike Figgis had included saffron burrows in the lesbian scene Mark would have felt differently. What's his good example, Dingus? Uh, his good, I don't know how much I should read, actually, because it's currently in theaters. His good is a movie called Passion, which is Brian De Palma's remake of the French film Love Crime. What? Uh, which is only marginally better than the original, largely because of an extended split-screen shot employed during a murder scene. And then he goes on to just sort of describe the murder scene, and I'm, since it's in theaters now, I'm sort of reluctant. I don't know if I should read it. There's a Brian De Palma movie called Passion. I, I had, I had no idea. Love Crime is his one, isn't it? And then the remakes, the remake of the Brian De Palma movie, right? What was the last Brian De Palma movie? The one with Rebecca Romaine, Femme Fatale. I, I thought it was the one, one where someone goes to Mars. That was before. I love that. Someone, go, someone goes to Mars. Look who's coming <laughs> to Mars. Guess <laughs> who's Splits coming to Mars? And mer- so, Dingus, what is the name of the movie? It's called Passion, right? You said uh, it's called Passion, according to Mark Doyle, and it's a remake of the French film Love Crime. And De Palma's is the remake. So yeah, Redacted was his last movie. That was five years ago. Was it good? No, I don't think so. Nobody saw it. Uh, yeah, look at that. It's a, yeah, it's something called passion in theaters now. So looks look how look how out of touch we are. Wow. So De, Paul, De Palma should have been off the table because every movie has split screen, isn't that his thing? Right? Uh, what about Runners Up? I remember actually. Maybe you guys can help me with this. Uh, Dingus, was that it? Was it? Did was there any more from Mark? Um, hold on. No, no. That's that's it from Mark. Let me just. Uh, so I I just remember look at the spam folder. I remember a movie from, it must have been the 70s, 
where I don't even remember the premise. It was basically like a rogue general takes over a nuclear silo and launches missiles and is going to start World War Three. And it was called Twilight's Last Gleaming. Huh. Uh, Burt Lancaster was in it. And I couldn't tell you the first thing about that fellow, but uh, he is like like there's all this split screen stuff where the missiles are taking off and they're launching and there's people on the phone with each other. And I just remember as a kid. Kind of thinking, wait, what? It's like a comic book. What's all these panels on one uh, screen? And I meant to watch that this week. I, I didn't get to it. Does either of you know that movie? No. Yeah. More American Graffiti was split screen. Remember that? George Lucas did split screen in American Graffiti? I think he was just the producer. He didn't direct American Graffiti? No, the second one. Or it's just. Oh, Ron. more American Graffiti. I it's see. It's one without saying. Richard Dreyfus. So it's really less American Graffiti. <laughs> Because right, he flew off to Europe or something after American Graffiti, didn't he? To find Suzanne Somers' character, or to make Close Encounters, <laughs> which whoops, wrong continent, <laughs> right back. Uh, I love the split screen in uh, you know Close Circuit. Reminded me of this. The split screen is based on there being multiple cameras, perspectives on one, pers- multiple perspectives from multiple cameras on one thing, uh, and it's when Hannah shoots out all those surveillance cameras in the holding uh, yeah, cell, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in the movie Hannah, and partly because that's such a great scene because. You're so convinced she's completely trapped, and, and it, there's this, what, what's she going to do now kind of sensibility, and how it kicks off just this amazing escape sequence. Uh, I love that moment in Hannah. Uh, other runners-up? Uh, time Code was my only runner-up. Mm-hmm. Kelly Wand, for you? Mm, no. <laughs> well, yes. Kelly Wand, that leaves you uh, to announce next week's 3x3. What do you got for us? Mm, hang on, i got to roll a die. <clears throat> oh, one. <laughs> Okay, that's then it's this one. Tell you what, when you roll a die, there's a 50% chance it'll be a 1, because it can either be a 1 or it can be some other number. Those are the two outcomes. Divide 100 by 2, 50. 50% chance you'll get a, run, a 1 when you roll a, a six-sided die. True story. That's mm-hmm. math. So it's kind of like the Electoral College and voting at RL. Is that what you're saying? During the election, there was a 50% chance that Obama would be elected. The two outcomes could be he's elected... He's not elected. There's a 50% chance Mitt Romney would have said that thing about the 47%. <laughs> My vote for <laughs> the topic next week is the three Tell you what, it's not a vote. You can you are now you can dictate this. You can oh, just hand it down. You could Kelly Wan have complete you have absolute power. And you know what that does? Corrupts uh, responsibility. <laughs> Wait, I thought I only have enough power until you go, oh, you did that one, and then, then you you snigger. There's like, a 50% chance you're going to choose a topic we've already done. No, no, dingus, please, come on. I do know math enough to say it's way higher than 50%. Oh. It's probably an 80% chance Kelly Wan is going to try to pick something we've already done. What percent is your – it's the possibility that you're going to like my topic? 69. Hmm. Choose 69. <laughs> As the topic? That dingus just did a line from a movie called Goon, which you, Kelly Wand, have regretted uh, not no. putting on your top ten. Yeah, list. I do. All right. All right, so next week's 3x3. Three three. I can't wait. What do you got for us this week, Kelly Wand? It was on my list. I just wish it had been on the, it should have been the number one. Ah, right. Instead of uh, Spider, Amazing, Amazing Spider- Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook. Kelly Wand's favorite movie from last year. And, boy, he won't stop talking about it either. He will not shut up about how awesome Silver Linings Playbook is. <laughs> He has not let us hear the end of that. Boy, he loves that movie. It's King's Speech 2012. That's all I can say. (laughs) Uh, 
My number one pick for my topic for next week's 3x3 is the three best. Okay. Military commands. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I order you to go to that ridge? Like, yeah. that kind of thing? Explode. Stand down? Like, yeah. Well, not like an actual campaign command, like the Mauritius command. Like, not like <laughs> the whole... Are you talking about spoken pepper. commands or something like that, or are you talking about... Like, yeah. Do you mean like yeah. the commands... Do you mean like the command structure? Like, you, you no. have... You have a, a lord and then a moff, and then you have underneath that above it is an emperor. Where does a moff come in in the command structure? Dingus? Oh, it goes uh, where the if you turn on the lights. Because <laughs> you can have a grand moff. Can you also have like a not so a lesser moff? Yeah, you can have a, a minor moff. Lieutenant, Lieutenant moff. Is, is the guy who's getting choked by Darth Vader? Is that a minor moff? No, that's an admiral. 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 Sorry, that's my pick for so so not like command structure, Kelly Wan. You mean the actual no. an actual spoken command. Yeah, like yes sir. Wait, that's not a command. Not a command, yeah. That's the opposite of a command. Uh that's a D man. Say yes sir would be a command. And then they choose to do it or not. Or they mutiny. <laughs> they just start screaming no sir and then kill him as they scream no. Can we choose a computer programming commands? Yes. As long as it's a military computer, like I know you're thinking of, Mr. NORAD, 1982. It's Commander NORAD to you. Well, if you have any idea what Kelly Wan is talking about, you can (laughs) submit your picks to 3by3 at quarter2three.com. That's the number three, the letter X, the number three, at, and then you spell out quarter2three.com. Whatever you can come up with, we would love to read it on the air next week. Also, remember to vote in our listener choice pledge drive vote thing if you donate at least a dollar your pick for a movie for us to do for the final september podcast will go into the kitty and you'll have a 50 percent chance of it being drawn according to my math tom chick Mm -hmm. uh next week we will be seeing i don't know what to make of this it's a luke Besson movie it's called the family Uh. Is it one yeah. that he directed or just one of his? No, no, he di- he directed this. This is not, yeah, it's not something that he produced. This is Luke Besson behind the camera. He's he's actually directing. Uh, it stars Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer, and my cat Sounds approves cat. of it. Yeah. Uh, so join us for that, as well as our three by three of favorite military commands, and uh, we'll see what we have come up with. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian. McClintock. It's Christian Murawski. And Kelly Wand. Shoot that plant monster, Sergeant! Listen to that podcast, Corporal. Let me ask you something, sweet like.